Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Sports Day with Badge and Sats for Kia. The all-new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. Yeah, good day and welcome to the show. Badge and Sats here with you on a big Tuesday night. Plenty happening here. G'day, Scotty. How are you? Gary Belcher. Are you feeling older than 50 tonight? Yeah, actually, someone said to me today that when you get to your 50s, life starts again. Mm. Um, really? I haven't felt that yet. No, that I was obviously felt, someone who wasn't 50 yet. Yeah. He was just trying to make you feel better. You're walking better today, though. Oh, the say. arthritis is still there. Oh, mm, so, you know. Not good. Lots to get through tonight. Brixie's still. Can I tell you, but I tell you, I told you my wife bought me a, I've never had a big screen TV ever. Yeah, you said. And so she saved some money. Wall. She got this uh, TV installed for me. I got home last night. There's I don't even know how you fitted it into the caravan. On the, <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. I slept on the couch last night because I just didn't want to leave the TV. Oh. I kept it on, just watched every show possible. Right. Streamed every service. Is Rebecca regretting getting it for you? I think she might actually. She might be happy if I you think she might. on the couch. Mm. She's had a win-win there. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, there's lots going on in the world of sport. Of course, the test is a second test day-nighter. Yep. Exciting in Adelaide on Thursday. And we still don't know the makeup of the of the respective teams, uh, Aussies and Poms. Um, there's also a lot happening in Formula One. Now, yep. the, the f- it's not definitely across the line that Max Verstappen is the world champion. Yes, he is at the moment, but uh, as our next guest is going to tell us, there's a bit of an asterisk against his name. Uh, Matt Koch, who is Australia's premier Formula One journalist, uh, he's going to join us and um, – yeah, we caught up with him a little while ago, Matt, um, Matt Koch. That's an, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It is. I mean, there's a lot of moving – I mean, pardon the pun, there's a lot of moving parts Very in fast Formula moving 1. Parts. But, yeah. uh, but this, is, this can get a little bit confusing. I think he breaks it down in layman's terms for mm. those that aren't F1 fans. And, and to think that Max Verstappen, who has won his, his first world championship, still can't really celebrate it to the – to the way that he hit, both he and his team would like to because mm. there's still so much water to go under the bridge. I reckon you celebrate it now in case they take it off you. I'd take the trophy and hide it. Mm. You'd be in a Swiss bank. You're not getting that back. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll catch up with him pretty soon. Uh, a hot topic. Oh, you mentioned last night, Sats. So yep. uh, we didn't have much time to talk about this, that All Black star Geordie Barrett, he's only... 24. 24. He's got yeah. his Bowden... Bowden one Barrett of his brothers is, is a gun. He's about 30, is he? A yeah. bit older. There's uh, Scott Barrett. There's a heap of brothers, but three of them mm. play for the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, that he, Geordie's actually said, he was asked in a, in a podcast, I think, about other sports, and he said he'd like to have a crack at the NRL. What about these podcasts? These podcasts are just bringing everyone undone. I mean, once upon a time, if you were an All Black, you never spoke about anything other than the All Blacks, but now you've got someone saying, 
you know, I wouldn't mind giving rugby league a crack. Pe- people, they let their guard down, I think. They think, oh, it's only a podcast. Yeah, you say whatever like you like. Ask Brandon Smith about that. Yeah, exactly. Say whatever you like on a podcast. It's interesting, but at 24 years of age and a new team coming to the competition in 2023 with the Dolphins, oh. I think the discussions would have already maybe been had. Really? Well, I mean, I know the NRL doesn't want the current infrastructure um, to be with, in relation to clubs, the 16 clubs at the moment, that they don't want it to be um, – they don't want the, the current infrastructure to be destabilised through through recruitment. And so trying to find players in, in cross-codes, rugby union, whatever it may be, is going to be a focus of the of the new club. So, but he, he's, he's a star, this guy, isn't he? Absolutely. Plays star. at fullback, could Superstar. play in the plays, every, plays in the halves, centre. But, but wouldn't he be worth a fortune if he went to France? He'd be well, those, At 24 years leagues? of age, he'd still he'd Japan. be one of the highest paid all-backs players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't get as much money, I don't think, in, in rugby league. Well, it, oh. But that's sometimes that's not what it's about. But the, what, what, the New Zealand dollar, what's it worth anyway? So well, you're moment. paying $2.50 a, a, <laughs> no, a, a litre. Uh, a litre. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Petrol. For petrol. Oh, he's got to get out of there. Um, but it's it's interesting when you start thinking about cross code. Well we st- we had a chat about it again, didn't we? Yeah. We have discussed this before, but you know, and there's a lot of guys that have gone boxing. Yeah. Um, that's an easy one, but I mean it's not easy to box, but it's when you're someone who's played is a current rugby league player who trains full time and is fit anyway mm. and you're gonna be fighting against another rugby league player, it's not it's not as risky as As switching codes like yeah. yeah, Carmichael Hunt went and had a go, and and is a follow f- f- to AFL. Ash Barty, that's a big switch. I mean, Ash Barty, yeah, she was outstanding. And she? then took a year off, and Playing then cricket. decided to play BBL. Yeah, Charlotte Caslow. I know it's rugby union. She's a rugby union star, but then said, you know what, I'm going to play in the the women's NRL as well. I mean, yeah, look, I I don't see the you know the between rugby league and rugby union for me. And you ask anyone in. in in the southern states who follow AFL, they go, well, they don't even know the difference. I, mean, I don't think they'd make such a big deal of it mm. for you to go from a rugby code to another, from league to union or vice versa. But um, when you're playing, you know, when you're, you're a, if you're a cricketer and you're having a go, at le- there's a lot of great cricketers that played. Both. I mean, remember Bronco Jura? Bronco played, yeah. he, for Graham Jura. Hughes? Graham Hughes played for New South Wales, yeah. didn't he, in, Heaps, in cricket? Yeah. And, uh I think in league, and there was a lot that played both codes, and sort of got to the stage I think by the eighties and nineties where you couldn't do it; you just didn't have time. Yeah. Your training was becoming too full on in uh, in either code. But a lot of cricketers and and leagueies. I remember Andrew Simons who played in one of those um, state of origin and went well games. Too. He went pretty well actually, but he he, um, he got smashed. I don't know who smashed him. Someone it might have been Spud or someone because he was playing for Queensland and. And then he, he, he would get back. He said, well, I just want to run at him. I want to smash him. I remember said, don't he, try, mate. It's not going to work. Remember, you he's got he's to watch his body language, Andrew Simons, and you could just tell he was getting the shit. He was. He, he was. It was because, <laughs> you know, it, blokes playing against blokes like, you know, Spartan, Benny Elias, and uh, and guys that had all retired, but you still couldn't think that you yep. were going to be better than them at their game. It'd be like guys going and playing cricket. I mean, Alfie and Wendell and some of those blokes play cricket, don't they, in, yep. in those – uh, in those charity matches, I don't think they're ever going to match seriously match it with the. With well, the Fatty took pros. one of the greatest catches of cricket he history. He did. He did. Him and John Dyson up there with Two John best Dyson. Catches yep. ever. Now you talk about cross codes and badge. I know you're not an NFL fan or American sports fan, but probably two of the most notable cross coders mm. were it was a guy named Bo Jackson, tremendous yes. documentary called Bo Knows Bo, and there's a really good book called. Uh, you don't know Bo, and basically he would he would play in the winter. He would play NFL and was just a tr- tremendous um, player in the NFL. 
uh, in the Hall of Fame. And then in the summer, he would play he would play baseball. Mm. And there's another guy called uh, Primetime Dion Sanders, and and he played uh, 14 seasons in the NFL. But when they overlapped, there was a period there where he would play on the say the Saturday night NFL. He'd jump on a private jet and fly across the country and play baseball the next day. Serious. And then play baseball two days later and then jump on a plane, fly back for training for the NFL game the following week. Even went through a playoff series, a number of playoff series when when playing NFL and baseball at the same time. Wow. Because in baseball, they're, they're like the basketball. They play like two or three games a week. Yeah, 160-something games a season. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, got some texts coming in. Will we get to those or will we get to our – Sports update. Let's do our sports update. Sports day. Sports update. Hey, we want you to tell us zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Tell us, you know, famous sports people that have switched codes or who you think could. I remember Laurie Daly when and he, every club wanted him as a seventeen-year-old, sixteen-year-old. He came to the Raiders, but apparently he was a gun AFL player, and I could see it. The way he could run, he was had some height that he could catch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Would have been um, outstanding. And, of course, he was playing out at, at June E. I think there must have been a bit of Aussie rules out that way as well. So who do you think would be uh, a good contender to switch codes or, or who's done it that we've, uh, we haven't spoken about? Um, now, that's injured England paceman Joffre Archer has mm-hmm. called for the Poms to go all-out attack in this second test, the pink ball test, the day-nighter at, in Adelaide. Being a fast bowler, you'd expect nothing less than this from him. Five quicks. He, he reckons he, five quicks. He could have been one of them. But, oh. of course, the 25-year-old is recovering from elbow surgery. I, I, I haven't got a doubt it would have been closer if he was playing. Well, he was a one-man army when he took he, on Steve Smith at Ashes Series well, a couple he of years ago. Well, he actually didn't get Steve Smith's wicket, but he got him. He, oh, he, he took him out of the game he for a while, and, he, and yeah. he had everyone worried and looking. Mm. He's uh, he's pretty scary. Even that when we're talking about... Um, uh, Bradman versus Bodyline, yep. the uh, the book last night with their, the author, he he did say Joffre Archer was, you know, one of the closest things he's seen to that Bodyline bowling from back at, at, at Bradman back in the 30s. Yeah, we've got to remember, we, we remember Bodyline for the 32-33 seri- Ashes series, but the West Indies went through a period there through the 80s oh, and early oh. 90s where it was Bodyline every time you played against What them. about that? Imagine facing up Joel Garner and Malcolm Marshall and Whispering Death in Michael Holding Holding and Andy Roberts. Then came along a guy called by the name of Kirtley Ambrose just when they retired. So it was body line every time we played against. It was crazy. Yeah, Yeah, but five quicks for England. Um, So that's Broad and Anderson. We know you're getting a Broad and Anderson come back. Wood was very good as well. Showed really good speed. Wokes. And then you got Ben Stokes as well. Mm. You know what? They've got some problems with bowling overs. Their overrun, well, their overrate is abysmal at the moment. They got fined a hundred percent of their match fees from the first test. So, bowling five quicks, you'd think they wouldn't get through the the overs any quicker. Because you need your spinner, don't you? Yeah. To, but that's the problem when your spinner, his overs weren't quick. Yeah. Because every second ball was in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> they were looking for him. There was a, there was a nineteen minute over there once, I think. So you're saying Jack Leach? Jack Leach. And them, and them I don't think Jack Leach will. Jack Leach be there in the second. Like, he can't be. Seriously. He can't be. Could he be? He Brixie. can't be. What Brixie, are you come for, on. Brixie? I was there. He scored 100 for, for England, but I was against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got the wicket of Manus Labashane, but seriously, that was a worst shot Manus has ever played. absolutely copying it from his players. He'd be filthy. His teammates. He will. Seriously. He will. Uh, reminds me of Phil Tufnell. 
Remember Phil Tufnell that series? <laughs> He'd fall over himself every time the ball went near him. Oh, I, I was. I got to tell you, I was. Good to laugh at him. I was down at the um side as the game was finishing, and we had the Gabba Troopers there, and they and Jack Leach was fielding out near the Gabba Troopers, Just hammering. They were hammering him. Mm. One guy, my favourite one was the Shakespeare of bowling, Jack Leach. The Shakespeare. My favorite. What's that mean? The Shakespeare bowl? Shakespeare bowl means he was the best bowler. Oh, <laughs> wow. I like giving it to him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have meant you'd be better off if you're a poet, Jack, than bowling. Uh, Davey Warner. Yeah, we had him playing last night, but I've, I've read that he, he's not, he actually had a fitness test today. Haven't heard anything. Might have to have another one tomorrow to get this, uh, these bruised ribs passed. Otherwise, Uzi Kwaja. Yeah, Usman. Don't on give her a suck and give him break. No, no, that's if true. If Uzi comes out and scores a century... Does that put more pressure on Marcus Harris? Yeah. Has to. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, his record against England hasn't been great. Um, and this day-night test, I mean, is it going to become more popular, do you think? Uh, oh, yeah, I love it. I think. I it's, mean, the I think purists don't like it. The purists want the five days. They want it in rugged conditions. They want it in the, the hottest part of the day where you feel the so who third wants leg. It? Well, the younger generation. And the TV networks. Yeah. They would love it. Mm. So, that, you know, that we know who's uh, paying the bills, or a lot of the bills. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll see more and more of it. Well, the, the Hobart, it test, it, Hobart test will be a day night or two. Yeah, it will, the fifth test. I, I mean, I, I love test cricket. I, I'm still a purist. I, I'd rather test cricket over the 2020, the T20. Yeah, you used to snore when we talked about test cricket. Now you Can I tell you, you and I've it. told you this before, don't try and throw me under a bus, okay? When I was 11, 12, 13 – and I might have even been 14 as well. During the summer, my pop, who's now passed away, God bless his soul, he used to buy me a cricket scorebook where you had the, you know, you had three sheets. So you had the original sheet yeah. and then you had the transfer, two transfer sheets underneath and you put a hard bit of cardboard under it. Really? I used to score five days of test for nobody. You just sat at me. home. Just me. I'd sit there and watch every ball and I would and dot score. ball, dot ball, one, was this to One. find out if they were making mistakes? I don't on the know why board? I did it. I don't wow. know why I did it. I just did it for about two or three years. I did that when my son started playing cricket at high school. Oh, but you did it for a reason. Yeah, because when they we went to his first game, he bought all the gear. Michael wasn't a great cricketer, but he was just going to have a bit of a go. And I thought, oh, this would be good. And and there was about you know some kids came together there's probably half a dozen parents eight parents there and the coach said okay who knows how to score and i went oh, oh you're a numbers man and too. They all you love back your numbers and i became the scorer <laughs> thankfully after about six games he said i don't want to play anymore and i went off oh, you ch-. you know what i had done is i'd actually on the way to the game i'd stopped off for a coffee and the newspaper and i thought i'm just going to sit and read the paper i didn't get to watch read one bit i had you know when you're scoring you're just watching the whole game so, yeah, I did that for about six weeks and he said, I'm not playing anymore, Dad. I went, oh, you beauty. And the run rate back then in test matches was like, you're lucky to get two runs and over. Well, you wouldn't get, you'd lucky to get, you'd get four wides and over at yep. the schoolboy cricket that I was at. Yeah, so. So, anyway. Good on you. So, I don't know how we got onto that. How, did, in, so. how would you have time to do, score that when you were rap dancing? Now, rap dancing was a little bit later on. I was about sort of 40. I think rap dancing took over. You, t- you went I think from rap dancing cricket took scoring over to from rap cricket dancing. Story. You're a massive yeah. nerd, Sats. Do you know mm. that? Electo beat. Electo beat. <laughs> yep. Tell them why you were called electo beat. Because when we got our shirts made up at the screen printers, he left out the R. It was supposed to be electro beat. <laughs> <laughs> and we said rap dancing. I love that this. story. Like we, we saw congregated in Surface Paradise Mall. 
And we'd yeah. all have our ghetto blast from a plane, our Beat Street, the king of the beat, see a rocking that beat from across the street. <laughs> and we used to put it down. We'd wait for a rap, another rap group to turn up to challenge us. And so we'd be this doing This is our, like Anchorman. Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd be doing our rap moves. <laughs> With a rap. All of a sudden there was this group called the Smurfs. Oh. And they were the best rap group in Queensland. They'd won every award in uh, rap dancing. As soon as they'd arrive on scene, we'd just pick up our ghetto blast. We'd disappear into the night. They were too good for oh, us. Oh, you didn't even try to no, rap off they were them. too good for us. I thought you just said you just turned your better, better blaster up full bore and you wrapped that good that they <laughs> took off tails between their legs. Oh, righto. Well, I don't know how we got onto that. Um, yeah. Hey, we are going to catch up with Matt Koch uh, very, very soon on Sports Day. Just a couple of quick things. Um, Nathan Cleary, Tom Dravojevic uh, and 30-odd uh, players in the emerging Blues camp have been forced to isolate after there was a positive COVID-19 test. And the entire night squad was actually sent home yeah. yesterday. So mm. uh, strange times, of course, but um, none of it really surprised with what's been going on the last couple of years. Uh, this is Sports Day for Kia. The all-new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. Back in a moment. This is Sports Day with Badge and Sats for Kia. The all-new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. Yeah, it is Sports Day with Badge and Sats. Hey, um, now, massive controversy on the weekend when Dutch driver Max Verstappen won a highly controversial Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and and with it, his first world title, of course, Sats. Uh, now, Mercedes could still be appealing. The F1 world is split on whether they were cheated out of the title. <laughs> so we thought we'd better get a better understanding of the whole affair. We've called an expert. In fact, he's Australia's best Formula One journalist. Uh, he... Uh, which writes for Speed Cafe as well. Matt Koch is on the line. G'day, Matt. What chance of uh, of this thing blowing up further? G'day, guys. There is a massive chance of, of this blowing up. It's the most controversial into a Formula One season in Formula One's history, and it's been going since, since 1950. And Mercedes is ropeable all down to almost a split-second decision by an Aussie, Michael Massey, who was in race control on uh, on Sunday night. So it's mm. this is going to have legs and could roll in to 2022. Yeah, well, I'm sure you've you've had a, a really good look at um, what Michael Massey, there, yeah, the race director, came up with. Uh, he's caught plenty of criticism. Uh, can you explain in layman's terms, sort of what happened and whether you think it's it's you know what he did was the right thing or not? Yeah, so fundamentally, it all comes down to. The specific rule is Article 48.12 of the Sporting Regulation. Now, basically, what that says is it lays out the way in which cars that are a lap down from the race leader are either allowed through and the timing that that needs to to happen in, uh, or whether they're not allowed through. The race director can choose. Uh, Basically, it says that all cars must be allowed through, uh, and that must then be done a lap before the, the race restarts. On Sunday, five cars were allowed through. There were eight that were a lap down, so only five of them were allowed through, those that were between race leader Lewis Hamilton and second-placed Max Verstappen, and that was done only half a lap before the race restarted. Now, Mercedes is arguing that that rule, 48.12, has been breached. The FIA, Michael Massey, and, uh, and Red Bull are arguing, well, actually, there's another rule that overrides that one, and it's all fine, it's not a problem, uh, and that, in fact, there's precedence to have the race and a desire to have the race finish under green flag conditions. So basically, it's a case of one of those two arguments is correct. At this point, Mercedes protested 
or immediately after the race, Mercedes protested based on, on that ground. And uh, that was thrown out by the FIA because the problem Mercedes had is that it was protesting the FIA's decision to the FIA. Hmm. Not likely to win no. that one when the teachers <laughs> mark their work. Hmm. Um, so that got, that got thrown out predictably. Immediately thereafter, Mercedes launched its intent to, uh, to appeal that decision, which goes to another body within the FIA. Uh, it's got 96 hours from when that launched, so hypothetically up until sometime in the wee hours of Friday morning, Mercedes could say, yes, we are protesting. Conversely, it could say, you know what, we're going to back out of this and, and just let, let what happens slide, but we're really not happy about it. Matt, do you think this will go higher? And you're saying it may go into 2022. Will it go higher than the, the governing body, do you think? Do you think it might find a a court of law? It, it very much could do. Should this process not work, the next step is the uh, Court of Arbitration for yep. Sport. That is set out in the FIA's sort of regulatory structure as the next body. And that that has happened in the past. Um, so it could very well happen. And... We're talking about the World Championship. This is the biggest annual sporting event, Formula One, you know, outside of the Olympics and, and the Football World Cup, which happen every four years. This is a massive sport worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, Mercedes invested $500 million or thereabouts last year. There's a budget cap this year. They haven't done quite so much money this year. But there's huge amounts of money. There's pride on the line. There's all sorts of marketing stuff that goes on off the back of winning the World Championship not to mention just the sporting purity of it. Did Michael Massey make the right call or not? That's the bit that needs to be really interrogated uh, and probably will come down to lawyers rather than sporting people. So, yeah, I can absolutely see this going into some legal proceeding outside Mm. of the FIA framework. As controversial as it may be, I've got to say, and I don't regularly watch the Formula One, I respect what they do and and um, the commitment and the money that goes goes into it. But I've got to say, it was it was as exciting a sporting uh, finish I've ever seen in any sport. It was nail-biting. I can't think of a championship, and I watch a lot of motorsport across the board. I can't think of another championship where the title has been decided half a lap mm. from the finish at the end of a 22-race season. You know, that's like... Uh, that's like the the goal, the, the winning goal in the World Cup being kicked in the ninety first minute uh, in injury time. It's mm. it's massive. Uh, it's brilliant TV. It really is. But the, the gut feeling and and the, the taste that's left is that it was just a little bit manipulated, a little bit artificial, and that's what's really sticking with people. Not necessarily the result. I don't think too many people are upset that. Max won versus Lewis because both guys are deserving world champions. Whatever the outcome would have been, either deserved to win it because they had phenomenal seasons. Mm. It was the way in which that decision wasn't a sporting one, it was a regulatory one, and that didn't seem quite right. But yeah, it was a brilliant finale. Um, and it sort of started on that one as well. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of argy bargy on that one that really gave us that, that little appetite wetter. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes have been dominant for, for a long time. And that's been a bit of a turn-off factor, I think, for people that are outside, you know, sort of looking into uh, Formula One. But how, how did Red Bull manage to close the gap? Any intel on that yet, Matt? 
there's a number. There's no golden bullet in Formula One. This is where it gets a little bit muddy because there were some some rule changes heading into this year that slightly changed the aerodynamics of the car, and that seemed to favour the design approach that Red Bull has taken, the high rake approach, um, which is an aerodynamic philosophy to generate downforce underneath the car. Not something that Mercedes could easily replicate. So it lost a little bit of performance there, and Mercedes uh, and Red Bull gained a little bit. So that's one thing. The Honda engine has come along as well uh so that's another part of the puzzle and it's just all the the million one percenters or point one percenters along the way formula one is such a percentage driven sport if you're not at 100 percent, you may as well be at zero percent mm. um because it's just so tight amongst the teams and red bull over the over the last few years has just been getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer and for the first time Mercedes has had to fight someone since probably 2018. Ferrari put on half a, a challenge. But Red Bull's been there knocking on the door. We sort of saw it in Abu Dhabi last year when Max Verstappen won that race. Uh, it's been making ground. And then the changes at the start of the year just seem to swing that needle, not in Red Bull's favour, but certainly closer to a 50-50 battle between it and, and Mercedes. Mm. Yeah. Hey, so, so on that note, you know, talking about those those really small, as you said, if you're not right up there with the best of them, you may as well not be in the race. Where's Dan Ricciardo at? Is his is his window of opportunity closing fast? I mean, we thought a couple of years ago he had one had of the a, best views the other night, actually, Dan Ricciardo. Did, <laughs> <laughs> we thought we had a, um, a a future world champion, but it's 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 all about the the car and the team, it seems. It massively is in Formula One, and this is the problem we're seeing a little bit with with Oscar Piastri that you can be the right driver and just there at the wrong time. Daniel Ricciardo has the potential to be a world champion, but so do a number of drivers. I wouldn't really be on the Formula One grid if they didn't. But he joined uh, Red Bull just as it was losing its dominance. That you know, 2014 was not a high point for Red Bull. Its its last championship was 2013, prior to uh, to Max's. And that's when Mercedes dominance came in. Red Bull dropped the ball a little bit as the new turbo hybrid era came along. Uh, then Max Verstappen came along. And when you're in a team against Max Verstappen, you know, he's the, uh, he's the poster child for Red Bull. It's like uh, Sebastian Vettel was back in the day. Now, he's joined, Daniel Ricciardo has joined a rebuilding McLaren. It's not yet a final product. There are lots of things happening off track. They're building a new wind tunnel, a new, uh, new simulator. A lot of that stuff will come on later in 2023 and therefore won't really be ready until 2024 to receive the, the benefits of it. But he is absolutely a driver that could win a world championship. He's just in the wrong car, you feel. Now, mm. that might change next year. A regulation shift might suddenly see McLaren first out the gate. It's unlikely, purely because the guys at the front are at the front for a reason. They've got the personnel, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the investment already in place. McLaren is working towards that but it's not there just yet. No. So, yeah, at 32, you'll probably think that Daniel's got three or four properly competitive years left in him. In that time, can McLaren do it? It's it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but it will be looking at more like, you know, the third year of that, that he might be there. So, yeah, time is massively running out for him. Now, you just mentioned Oscar Piastri. Great news we read uh, over the weekend, his success in the Formula 2, uh, becoming the champion there. What's his pathway look like in the next two to five years? He's got a little bit of the Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo syndrome about him. I mean, he's sort of in the right place at the wrong time. He's 
part of the Alpine Academy, which is basically the young driver structure that supports the Alpine Formula One team. The Alpine Formula One team has a bloke by the name of Fernando Alonso. You might have heard of him. A couple of world championships <laughs> to his name. And also a French bloke called Esteban Ocon. French bloke, French team, also a Grand Prix winner. Um, so that's a pretty strong structure that they've got there for the moment. Oscar is signed on to be the reserve driver for next season. Beyond that, we don't know. I've been told that uh, what he's got is a very good deal with the implication. I've not been told this outright, but the implication is that he's got something locked away for 2023, which seems to suggest that Fernando Alonso is going to retire, you would think. I mean, the guy is 40 years old, um, but, but who knows? He might come out and win the World Championship next year and decide he's going to hang around for a little bit longer. That's the problem. Oscar isn't in control of his own destiny at this mm. point. He was linked to a drive with Alfa Romeo, uh, Guan Yu Zhou, uh, who was a member of the Alpine Academy, got that one instead, um, primarily for marketing reasons. Joe is an extremely talented youngster. I don't believe he's as good as Oscar, um, and the Formula 2 Championship results would suggest to back that up, but you know, he's there on merit. He's a race winner in Formula 2. Um, so Oscar's going to sit the year out. Beyond that, we don't know where his future really goes. It's in the hands of effectively the marketing department at, uh, at Alpine as much as anything else. Um, he's not going to be racing next year anything. He's not going to, he's going to go back to Formula 2. He can't. He won the championship. He's going to have a testing program with, uh, with Alpine. In fact, he's on track pretty much as we speak in, uh, in Yas Marina, testing the 2021 car as part of the young driver test there. He's going to be doing more of that. He's going to be doing lots of simulator work. But yeah, in terms of jumping in a, an F1 car and, and doing Australia Proud, not in 22. We really hope in 23. And if it's not in 23, then the world's going to move on and forget mm. about him. And it'll, it'll be one of these hugely credentialed youngsters that doesn't get, get there. A go. And Oscar's young. Yeah, Oscar's pedigree, his young career is better than Lewis Hamilton's was. Mm. This kid is a superstar. Might be paid very well next year to go surfing and skiing and hopefully get a drive after that. Hey, we better let you go. We really appreciate your time, Matt, but I just want to ask you before we do, what what do you think the chance is of, of Max Verstappen being stripped of that first ever world title? I, I want to say no chance at all, but I really couldn't put my hand on heart and say that there's... It's not 50-50 by any stretch, because even if it goes to the legal proceedings, mm. the lawyers will then argue it out, but uh, it's a small chance but uh, but there is a chance there. It's it's not a closed book at this point. There's an asterisk next to Max Verstappen, 2021 world champion. Yeah, well, we'll be reading a lot more about it. And it is better than just uh, reading how, how much Lewis Hamilton won the world title <laughs> by again. So it's been uh, pretty good for uh, Formula One. Uh, Matt Koch, uh, Journo for Speed Cafe, Australia's best Formula One. Journo, we really appreciate your time on Sports Day, mate. Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. Okay, we better get to a break. Scotty Sattler, very interesting stuff. So he's basically saying that Oscar Powers, you're not allowed to drive again in the Formula 2 no, once you've won it. No. So he steps up and hopefully gets a drive. You'd think Lewis Hamilton, after winning seven world championships, would just let Verstappen say, hey, you have the world championship this year. Yep. And Well done. And Oscar, you come drive my car. Exactly. I've got enough. Mm. Right. We're to get to a break. Sounds like we know a lot about <laughs> Formula One motorsport, don't we? Not. Uh, sports Day it is. Badge and Sats. Don't forget, give us a text anytime you want. 0457-736-736. We'll be back soon. This is Sports Day with Badge and Sats for Kia. The all-new Kia Sportage has been unleashed.
Yeah, thanks for hanging around. Uh, nice for you to be texting us as well. Plenty here to get through, 0457736736. We're talking about uh, – that was a really good chat, actually, by the way, from Matt Koch. Enjoyed that. Um, we're all enlightened a bit, but that sounds like it's going to keep going, this uh, this Mercedes versus Red Bull. Yeah, into deal. next year by, good, by the looks good. of it. Now, what was interesting, Badge, which we didn't go back to, was young Oscar Piastri. Mm-hmm. Tell you, tell you, leg. No, I did it last False night. leg joke. I did it. Yeah. I thought, I actually at first thought it was Oscar Pistorius, but yeah. but Oscar Piastri, if you win the F2 like he has done, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You can't, you can't race there again. You've mm. got to move up and try and find a team yeah. or a drive. He's found a team and it might be a dud. And Alpine is actually Alpine. Mm. Yeah, I, I learned that. Uh, we're talking about Geordie Barrett, uh, discussing about the fact he'd like to have a crack at the NRL. He's only in his mid-20s. He's a gun player for the All Blacks. And uh, we, so we decided to discuss crossover sportsmen and women who have uh, yeah, who successfully been from one sport to the other. I, I kind of ruled out leagueies to union and union to leaguey. Pretty I, much the same, isn't some, it? Some people aren't happy about that. Um, David Campisi was always one that people would have loved to have seen yeah. in rugby league. I, I, for mine, I think... You know, the best that I've actually played with and against, who was a former rugby union player, with a, apart from Ricky Stewart, who's a club mate, who mm. was an outstanding. But he, Ray Price? Uh, no, no, Michael O'Connor. Oh, of course. Well, Mick O'Connor was yeah. just, geez, he could mm. play. But what about the other way? Who, who would you say was the best? Because there wasn't, there wasn't much traffic the other direction until Union went professional and then in the late 90s, 2000s, when a few players switched over. Matty Rogers, uh, Lottie Takiri, Wendell. Wendell Saylor. Yeah, um, a few. I remember Matty Rogers saying he'd played 45 tests for Australia. 45 tests for Australia. If he was in played rugby. 45 tests in rugby league, he'd be – all-time great. He'd be up there with Smith and Lockyer and yeah. co. Well, he is, and he is one of the all-time great. Yeah, he's a tremendous player. player and listens to the show as well. G'day, Rat. Is he the best one I reckon, I reckon in the in the, in the the modern era. I Lottie think. and Wendell did very well too, He did very they? well, but Matty Rogers was exceptional. I remember him saying once he was 45 test matches and he still didn't understand the rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think about all three of them too. They all came back to league, didn't they? 2003 World Cup. As well, ended up part of that squad. Yeah, they mm. all ended up back in. Yeah, they did. League. Signed back at uh, the Gold Coast Titans for their first year. Matty Rogers. Matty Very did. late he was. Lottie came back and he, he was in the Premiership team in 2013 with the yeah uh, Bunnies and um, and of course Wendell came back and had his. We got a sent back in league with the Dragons. He did. Yeah. Text message here zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Max Bryant. We spoke about him early on. He was a good rugby league player. Yes. Uh, he was an outstanding league player for Coogeon, which is just across on the New South Big Wales Kingscliff, border. Yeah, yeah just uh, this side of, of the Queensland border. Big uh, things happening at the moment at Coogeon as far as their, 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 their leagues club burnt down a while ago and they've Did had a really? lot of trouble. Yeah, a lot of New trouble South trying Wales to get it. New South Wales team trained there for a few years. Yes. Yeah. They had a lot of trouble trying to get it rebuilt. And I think they were well, – look, uh, sorry if I misquote – if I got this wrong, they were underinsured and they've, there's now a couple of very large clubs that are – Vying to Are you take saying them Max over. Bryant's going to? No, build Max, it. that's oh, where okay. Maxie Bryant just reminded yeah. me. So, well, he had to choose between cricket league or the Titans. Yes, yeah, he's a very good rugby league player. He was. Mm. Now um, we're talking about players and different sports, and you know how much I love my NFL badge. I'd like to see Nathan Cleary as a kicker in the NFL. He could he could do the the double whammy. He could be the goal kicker because he's outstanding. Mm. And a punt kicker as well, because he's got the floater, he's got the drop punt, he's got the torpedo. But they have two different people for that. Oh, two different people. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Yeah, because that's just the way it is. 
Well, you can't do both. You can. Has anyone ever done that? And you know what? If you punt kick and then the the um, the receiver breaks through and you're a kicker that can actually tackle as well, you're a superstar. Oh. Who, so who's got – as far as those – is it about – Ball in the air as high as you can and yeah, hang time. It's and, about hang time. And where you And where trying you land to pull it. the ball up as close as possible to the opposition's, well, yeah, touchdown Yeah, so they line. catch it as yeah. deep as it is. In, well, in goal. Mitch Moses has got a huge he high has. kick, He's hasn't probably he? the biggest one, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, another he one. he kick goals. Another one for the NFL. He can too. Another mm. one for the NFL for me. Addo Carr is a wide receiver. Now, that's the guys that sort of sit out on the edges and the quarterback looks for those Is he quick men. enough? For that game? Well, I don't know. Probably not. Oh, please. Probably not. What? His times probably wouldn't register with some of the quickest players in the NFL. Oh, mm. yeah. If you're American, it's always faster. Now, Badgie had a fair stronger, bit to do with this guy. Better, and he could have been, tougher. if he wasn't going to play a rugby league uh, as as a sport, Darren Lockyer in the AFL. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful style. And the kicking game, catching. And, and just his athleticism. Yeah. I mean, his ability to get around the field as a rugby league player. Mm. Um, you... You're actually one of his strength and conditioners, and from stories that you've told me and other players, that his conditioning levels were just. Oh, I take no credit for anything he did. He's unbelievable. Yeah, and Lockie could, they'd have that you know time off after tours and stuff, and come back, and everyone had been training for six, eight weeks, ten yeah. weeks, and going super hard, and he just slot straight back in and win, mm. win stuff easy. Just a natural, naturally fit, great yeah. athlete. Um, but yeah, I guess we should mention Jordan Mylata, who was a. Rugby league player at, in the South, South Sydney yeah. competition, who's at lower grades. So, yeah, yeah. All right, we're giving the wind up sets. We're going to go. He's earning sixty million. Or something oh, now. tough. Yeah. yeah. Shooters text zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Badge and Sat Sports Day for Kia. The all new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. This is Sports Day with Badge and Sat for Kia. The all new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. On Sports Day, time for a Racing Queensland update. Queensland is your place to race this year. Yeah, Sports Day with Badge and Sats for Kia. The all-new Kia Sportage has been unleashed. Chris Nelson, welcome to Sports Day. Thanks, Badge. Good afternoon to you and good oh, afternoon, Sats. Badge. Mm. Do we sound sats, alike, but... do we? Okay. Oh, sorry, I got it mixed up. Go again, sorry. No, no, no it's all right. No, no, no we're going to let you just suffer in silence. Uh, uh, can't go It's live. It's uh, live, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, plenty going on this week. You've got a little bit of uh, news around the prize money uh, boost for the Winter Carnival. But first and foremost, uh, Ipswich racing tomorrow. Uh, you got a tip there, yes. haven't you? I have, Sats. I have. And it's race four, number five, Perito. Now, they're pretty, uh, pretty competitive races, most of these races at Ipswich tomorrow. But we'll go with Perito. Looking for a bit of each way. So hopefully get around $4 or so. Race four, number five. Toby and Trent Edmonds train on the Gold Coast. Ben Thompson will ride. Gate number one, he just needs to poke up and find a position early. I wouldn't want him to get shuffled back along the fence and be you know, in the last couple on the turn. So if he can make use of that gate, I think Perito's got a really good chance each way. So race four, number five at Ipswich tomorrow. Nice stuff. Now Sats here uh, with prize money boost for the Winter <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> What's... Uh... What's going badge, on? I can tell you, I can tell you, Badge, that the Queensland Derby has gone from 600,000 to a million. The oh, German wow. Cup's gone from 700,000 to a million. Uh, the Queensland Oaks up 100,000 from 600 to 700. And there's a couple of other ones in there too. The BRC Sprint and the Morton Cup both go to 250. The Taps Tiara, which is the final group one of the season run at Eagle Farm, goes from six to 700,000. And a couple of the, uh, the provincial 
uh, main meetings. That Ipswich Cup Day, of course, they run the Eyeliner. It goes from 175 to 200. And the Sunny Coast, the Winx Guineas, also 175 to 200. So some really, really good prize money boosts uh, for the Winter Carnival next year, which... Once we get through Magic Millions, won't be that far away. A couple of those big races have been sponsored by me, actually, in the last couple of years. I've been <laughs> throwing that much in. Hey, is that, is that why Zaki's coming back? Zaki will be coming back, yes. He's the, probably going to have money. one lead-up run in, yeah, in, uh, in New South Wales. And then he, at the moment, is going to target the two races or two of the three races that he won last year, the Doombin Cup and the Q22. So... Uh, he will be heading our way at this stage again next year. So that's really exciting stuff. And he won't be the only top-class galloper we get. These prize money increases will certainly draw a few others yeah. up from the With southern states. With the state. prize money yeah. increases now, is it just because racing Queensland and Queensland racing in general is is um, is just stuff? It's going well. Uh, it's going sponsors. really well. But, but is it also on the back of Sydney racing increasing a lot of their prize money as well? Is it forcing everyone else? Oh, I think it does have a little bit to do with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've got to keep up with, uh, with the Joneses, of course, in some way, shape or form. We'll never be up there with Sydney and Melbourne, I wouldn't think, but we're not far, be- well, far behind in, uh, in many cases. And it's got a lot to do with uh, wagering as well. The wagering certainly yep. uh, is really good in Queensland. Of course, the last couple of years with COVID, uh, the wagering has certainly been a big help with uh, a lot of the sports being off. Not so much last year, but the first year, racing was about the only thing going around. So it's been a pretty big two years for racing. Now, uh, I'm going to get a tip from you because we talked to you a little bit later on the week as well. I'm going to give you some time to do some research. Twilight, you know how much I love my Twilight Racing Toowoomba this Saturday night. Uh, so I'm going to use some time to get me a tip when we talk to you Thursday. All right. What about Sunny Coast Friday night? That's a night meeting. It's even better than Well, there Twilight. you go. Give me one for Friday night and one for Saturday night. You got some homework. You, yeah, I'll do my best. Chris Nelson, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, thanks, guys. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.